Welcome to a special episode of the Endurance Asia podcast. This is the Endurance Asia Awards for 2020, where we'll be recognising athletes, performances, races, FKTs from um, what has been a a kind of uh, interesting year for the world of endurance sports. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the inaugural awards, isn't it? But um, in, in a way, it's the most fitting year to do it because everyone's had to sort of get creative, dig deep within themselves and, and come up with their own challenges. Um, it's been a year like no other and uh, there's been some truly amazing stories that have come out of it. Yeah, we've really enjoyed covering a lot of them over the last uh, over the last year. So there's... Um there we have a few uh, a few old podcast guests which get recognised, um, but we we have consulted with uh, with quite a few people on our on our shortlist. I mean, we ultimately decided who uh, who won the awards, um, but I'm sure there won't be uh, many people contesting the results because uh, just there are some unbelievable performances. Yeah, and I think you know we're looking forward to next year, kind of getting more audience participation and getting the voting process started sooner but um yeah i mean i think awards like this are subjective at the best of times and um there's there's a ton of people that you know deserve all the accolades and and we'll try and give as many of them as a shout out as possible as we go through um but there certainly were a few people who kind of stood head and shoulders above the others i think i think so it's definitely been one of those years and i can speak to this that it's been very hard to motivate yourself for stuff um i mean you've had a year worth of um, worth of injuries but without any race in the diary getting yourself to actually get out and train it's just been a risk just there's kind of like a so what and i suppose for a lot of people it brings it back to the real why of why they do endurance sports and um it's it's really created the birth of both FKTs the um I mean it really started with the unofficial um races in Hong Kong with like the unofficial trail walker last year which was postponed or was cancelled due to the the protests in Hong Kong rather than the pandemic but um but yeah there's been it's like the the virtual um and the virtual backyards and there's been lots of virtual races that have all come out to be able to keep keep people motivated yeah, and you've sort of seen people go kind of two ways on it, right? Some people have, uh, it's, it sort of almost seems to have inspired some people to do more than they would ever have done before and set themselves like ever, ever crazier challenges. And some people, like you say, have sort of said, well, okay, you know, I'm going to just do something different this year and I'm not, I'm not going to push myself physically as much. Um, and, and as we go through the awards, you'll see that we, we sort of wanted to give recognition to a sort of holistic look at what people have been doing I suppose um not necessarily just you know who ran the furthest and who ran the fastest but you know who who used their time to to do something new yeah um, yeah. yeah and I think that's the kind of essence of the Endurance Asia podcast that is it's not all about the elites it is ordinary people extraordinary feats and um and yeah we sort of recognize the full breadth of uh, of both abilities but but also um we you know we cover it's very much focused on Asia, but with a bit of recognition for Australia and New Zealand as well. 
Um, and so we've, uh, um, but yeah, the one thing that we haven't really been able to cover that much is like um, adventurers, which is something that in future years we'd want to cover. But, you know, with the likes of Everest and most places being closed down to adventurers, it's not been an easy year for the, for the likes of Grant Rawlinson, Axe, who's, um, you know, he had, uh, he's now got his uh, new vessel to try and take on the ditch um, or the, um, the Tas- um, to go across New Zealand. But he hasn't even been able to test it out because you can't travel anywhere. You literally can't go into uh, any other country's waters. But and like Ash Dykes, for example, I'm sure he he had big plans for this year. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that we'd like to sort of cover a bit more in future. Yeah, I mean, and as we go through, like, well, there's there's clearly a bit of a, a bias or a, a waiting towards. Um, trail running I mean it, it's the, the easiest thing that people have been able to do this year some other sports have basically just been off the table I mean there was a lot of excitement around the eco challenge um, when it came out early in the year obviously it was recorded at the end of last year um, but you know adventure racing certainly as a kind of international endeavor has basically been completely halted yeah. um, and so so looking forward to kind of hearing more more from that scene next year yeah I mean, there is definitely a skew towards ultra running but as you say it's been it's like the most accessible sport all you need is a pair of trainers and you can just get out there on those hills so um there is a there's a lot of people recognized within that but um so we've got six awards um this is going to be a two parts um two-part episode um uh, the the first part we're going to cover um, three awards. Um, first one being the race or challenge of the year. Um, there were some races at the beginning of the year before the pandemic really sort of uh, um, uh, put travel um, um, restricted travel from March onwards. Um, but there are also lots of challenges as well. Um, Outside, we're also covering the FKT of the um, of the year in this in this episode. Something that's really um, become really prominent. It's really starting in the US, but it's starting to to gain traction here in uh, in Asia. Um, and lastly, on this episode, we'll we'll recognise the extraordinary feat of the year. So we've got race and challenge of the year, FKT of the year, and extraordinary feat of the year. And then uh, next episode, Rick, we'll cover. So the second episode will go more into you know personal achievements and 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 uh, you know individual um, awards. So we'll have um, a male and female athlete of the year, uh, recognizing the people who've done you know something truly extraordinary, um, and then we'll have fundraiser of the year. And we we really wanted to include that in that top six because we we you know we 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 know that a lot of people do these challenges to raise money. We think it's a really important part of. Um, well, of all of these sports, really, and certainly an important part of the Endurance Asia ethos. Um, and, uh, and again, there were lots of worthy people and lots of, um, you know, honourable uh, initiatives that were being supported. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the great thing about endurance sports, it captures people imagination. And, um, and uh, yeah, there's been a lot of people that have raised a hell of a lot of funds for charities. And, um, and yeah, n- never has it been more important. I think charities are really struggling at the moment. So we hope everyone sort of continues to, to do that fundraising going into to 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the other thing I'd say is like, it's been, it, it's been a really challenging year. And, and obviously, People have been affected by it in really, you know, a host of different ways. Um, and it'd be easy to sort of dismiss sports and endurance sports and the lack of them this year as, as a bit trivial. And actually, I think what you've seen is people have realised just how important uh, sports and exercise and, and, and challenging yourself is for your own mental well-being this year. I mean, I, I think we saw it here in Singapore, particularly during our, 
our lockdown, our circuit breaker, like the number of people that you just saw out on the streets running. Um, I mean, and part of it, part of it obviously was it was it was one of the few things you could do that you didn't have to wear a mask. But I think people just found they needed to do something physical, um, you know, just to counteract the the endless kind of negative news that they were seeing every day. Um, and I th so I think you know the people that we're going to be covering in these two episodes really have been an inspiration to to us and a lot of other people. Yeah. Absolutely, and so um, like with that, kicking off with um, with race or um, or challenge of the year, um, we've got some uh, we've got some honourable mentions, Rick. Yeah, I mean it, the year started off um, fairly normally, I suppose. I mean the, the the virus was around towards the end of last year, wasn't it? But um, for certainly the first two, maybe three months of the year, there were a number of events that went ahead more or less as normal. So um, you know, races like the, the first race on the Ultra Trail World Tour, the Hong Kong One Hundred, um, went off more or less without a hitch um and it, it looked like that was setting up for a, a fantastic season of uh, of, of global ultra running um yeah they managed to just thread the needle in between all of the protests and the pandemic and uh, and yeah it's it's one of the i mean it's only one of only two races on this sort of world um the world scene along with um uh the in, in japan the ultra um mount fuji um yeah, they uh, they run an unbelievable race there. Yeah, and then pretty quickly after that, things got shut down. Um, certainly in most parts of the world. I mean, we had we had Nathan on uh, from New Zealand earlier in the year um, talking about his Spring Challenge, which is an amazing event that gets sort of three four hundred female only participants um, to do some adventure racing in New Zealand, and that went off. I mean, the, you know, New Zealand has 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 managed to contain it and. Uh, they did an amazing job putting that event on as as usual um so that was really inspiring to see um the other thing that happened was people uh started to think about putting on virtual events um and i think one of the more successful ones that we saw certainly one of the ones that saw greatest kind of participation and engagement was asia trail girls they did a vertical challenge which is something that i think you know really kind of struck a chord here in asia um certainly in in, in hong kong where where the movement was founded but even here in singapore you saw people kind of putting up crazy crazy elevation and 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 you know infinite repeats on bucket team a hill um that was a, that was a great one uh there were some new races that popped up um it was great to see uh utmb finally land in thailand i mean we we talked to seb Bertron when we were up running with him in thailand last year um and you know he's been trying to get that race to happen for uh, for years yeah uh so to see it finally come together um and uh it was won by uh, michael mclean who's who will have on the podcast pretty soon um but yeah seeing some of the photos coming out of thailand it, it sounds like they had quite a few races this year yeah. albeit, albeit for a domestic audience only really um yeah seeing that happen was was quite inspiring yeah, and I think um, just lastly, and we mentioned that um, Costa Cozzi, after a, a, a few years out, it's a really iconic race um, in uh, in New South Wales, the, up to Mount Kosciuszko, and um, and yeah, it was good to see that um, that comeback once again for domestic runners, but um, but such an iconic race with your your like Aussie hat with your uh, yeah with those that do it multiple times get their pins in it and it's um, I think it's one of those races that's on many many of people's bucket list so um, it was really good for the organisers to bring that back in a, in a year where people need uh, need some distractions um, but yeah onto the uh, onto the winners 
Um, so in uh, in third spot for the uh, for the race of challenge of the year, we've kind of got a joint third here, and uh, and yeah, we've gone with um, the uh, the backyard ultras that were part of the sort of world champs ones. We had the um, the dead uh, dead fucking last um, with Jerry and the team here in Singapore, um, and then the last samurai with uh, with Tomo in uh, in Japan. Um, I think the Backyard Ultra kind of epitomizes the the year. Um, people are limited to how far they can go away out from their homes when they've been in quarantine. So it's really sort of lent itself um, to um, to the year that's been 2020. And um, and yeah, I think for both, certainly for Jerry here in Singapore, it was pretty challenging to be able to sort of pull that off. But they had uh, 15 contestants, um, and then I think they had 10 up in um, in Japan as well. Um, but following it was just really exciting, plugging into the sort of global races. Um, it was just a really uh, really entertaining follow, and I think it's um, it's definitely worthy of. They're both worthy of the third spot, given the. Um, given the prevalence of Backyard Ultras this year. Um, and uh, next up was um, uh, in in second spot, um, a race that's pretty close to to my heart, but I think for me is the... Um, is the uh, like top challenge in, in uh, when it comes to endurance in, uh, in Asia Pacific. It's the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge. Um, once again, got to go th- go ahead this year without any issues due to the pandemic. I mean, there was obviously the protest going on in Hong Kong, um, but it was the I think it was the tenth or um, edition of it, um, and just uh, so exciting to follow. And um, I mean, I was I was actually in it, but didn't complete it. But just at the end, being able to watch people getting to the green post box, it's um, it's just such a phenomenal challenge that. Um, was run extremely smoothly. I mean, the fact that people can follow online uh, and be able to sort of dot watch throughout the three days um, and, yeah, interviewing the winners from there. I mean, there were just some incredible performances um, uh, from, like, Nugo to win it to Stephen Redfern coming second to um, to Abby finally getting after the three years to all the female survivors that um, that uh, that managed to do it in under the uh, under the seventy hours. Um, yeah, it's just such an incredible uh, incredible um, challenge that. Um, yeah, we'll... I think I think um, the way that Andre's put that together over the years and the fact that it's, it evolves every year and you, you know it's almost something that you can you get excited about watching it as the year progresses because you can see people specifically training for it. You can see their own their, their strategies and their target time evolving and then the, you know the fact that this this coming edition is going to be alumni only and hong kong alumni only i guess yeah, because of the travel restrictions um and that some of the some of the people are looking to break 50 hours um it's, it's going to be super exciting to see that again yeah and then so moving towards uh, the the winner for um for uh the 2020 um race or challenge of the year um we've gone with the Vietnam Mountain Marathon um just for for many reasons i mean as uh, as rick said there's been still been quite a few races that have been able to go ahead in certain markets in um like in Thailand etc um in China um but we feel that they've just done such a great job um, with the Vietnam Mountain Marathon. They had to move the race, um, but still in the end managed to go ahead with um, with almost, I think, 2,300 participants, obviously all domestic. 
Um, but just such a beautiful race in terms of the um, the views look spectacular, the organisation, the feedback that we we um, spoke to a couple of local racers that um, that uh, that um, that raced, and it was um, just extremely well run. They also have a huge fundraising um, uh, part of it, and, and managed to raise over twenty six thousand um, dollars for uh, for charity, um, and so. Yeah, I think it's just an extremely worthy winner of um, of our, our race of the year, um, and so to uh, to accept the uh, the award for uh, for race of challenge of the year, uh, we welcomed on uh, uh, David Lord, but David Lloyd back on the podcast to to talk about the the VMM for for twenty twenty. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hey, David Lloyd, very good to see you again, sir. Um, congratulations on having the Vietnam Mountain Marathon VMM as being the uh, the race or challenge of uh, of 2020. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a very nice surprise to wake up this morning and uh, open up Instagram messages and find that. So uh, I've sent it around the office and everyone's very, very pleased and excited. So, yeah, thank you from all of us at the team for selecting us for the award. Yeah, I mean, we, we ran through a list of all the sort of events. I mean, and obviously, there weren't that many traditional races happening this year, but there was a lot of innovation around backyard ultras and um, all sorts of crazy challenges. But it, it, there was just something about what you managed to pull off with that race. Um, I mean, it's, it, we talked about it when we last spoke to you. It's already a, a fairly iconic race on the Asia trail running scene. Um, but, you know, when you, when you first had to postpone it, I think we, and I don't know about you, we certainly thought it, it might not happen. Like a lot of races, it just might not go ahead. Um, but to postpone it and then and then make it happen and, and pivot to it being an entirely local affair. Um, and we, we were just talking about this, but, you know, to see that start line, that flag off photo of everybody, you know, heading out into the hills um, was just amazing. Like a photo from, a, a, you know, a, a out of history. Yeah, so that photo we're talking about there is the the 42k start line, and it it really was the most electric atmosphere we've ever had on the start line, I would say, because people were all very pent up, you know, and they had a lot of energy that was had been stored for months, and they had many races cancelled, and everybody just couldn't wait to, to get into it at that at that race, and we were also extremely lucky because we had uh, amazing sunrise going on, cloud inversion around us. And uh, yeah, everybody could feel it. And it, for me as well, personally, like I say, it was my, my favourite moment, not only of the year, but all of the races we've ever done. So yeah, it was a, it's always a special event, but this year it was, uh, it was on another level. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, as Rick said, there's been a, a lot of um, virtual runs and there's people have been trying to, um, I suppose, just adapt to the year that it's been. Um, but yeah, the having to like both cancel the event and start uh, and and redo it. And I mean, you had over two thousand people at the at the start line. I understand what was the um yeah what what was the sort of total amount of participants that you managed to pull together? Yeah, so we had two thousand one hundred come um, across all our distances from ten k up to hundred k. Uh, but we actually had around three thousand plus sign up. But when we had to postpone it, we moved it from the, the traditional days of September. Uh, and in September, you have the harvest season. The people love to run in the, in the rice terraces with that golden rice. When we moved it into November, around 1,000 people took our offer to postpone for the next year. We had 1,000 people move into uh, 2021. And I think one thing is they were worried about the, 
the weather. Not only the lack of rice, but they thought it would be very cold in November. And they were right to be worried because in Zappa it's either glorious or awful in November. And on that race weekend, we were extremely lucky. So uh, it's known as the cloud, they call it cloud hunting season here in Vietnam at that time of year. So if you're lucky, like I say, you're, we have the cloud inversions at the start line. And uh, you run up to the top of the highest peak we've got, which is around 2,300 meters. It's called Nui Bo Cow Mountain. And, and when the runners got up there, they were treated to this most majestic just cloud display. So they're running above the clouds. They call running on clouds here. So, um, yeah, like I say, it could have gone either way, but we were just extremely lucky that it came out to be a, to be a perfect day. So, yeah, look, we had uh, 2,100 runners experience that and 1,000 people who were bit worried and sadly missed out and <laughs> we'll, we'll move to next year so uh that means that for next year we already had uh, when we opened up the early bird there were already a thousand people on the on the books to run in, in uh, august next year we've moved it into august so uh yeah next year we're expecting it to be uh bigger than ever i think i mean and and apart from the fact that it was local only like did you did you have to make any adjustments kind of to reflect covid not too much, actually. So the month before, we had uh, the Vietnam Jungle Marathon, which had been postponed from uh, May into October. And for that one, it was closer in time to a, a second outbreak, of, a very small outbreak that had happened in uh, in, Nam, in central Vietnam. And so, I mean, that's hundreds of uh, k's away from this the race uh, destination of BJM, but still, of course, with it being in-country, they were worried about the potential for COVID spreading there. So at that race, we had to have people download the, the Blue Zone app, which is the tracking app here, uh, submit the health declarations that we made. If they hadn't done the health declaration, they couldn't pick up the race kit. Uh, we requested people to wear the face mask uh, on the buses, and then we had hand sanitizer all over the place, and we made some, some changes to checkpoints. But for VMM, uh, it was pretty much run like you say like something from a uh, facebook memory post it was like it was pre-covid up there so it was quite bizarre actually to be in the middle of that but yeah at that time there was uh, no community transmission and uh yeah we enjoyed a bit of normal and the new normal here apparently is the same as the old normal <laughs> i think it gives a lot of hope for people i really think that actually vietnam now gives a lot of hope for people in europe or in places where it's uh it's hard times now and people think the new normal will be this completely something something other but i think here you see actually it will just go back i really yeah. think it will just go back to, to what normal was so um yeah i think there's a lot of uh, hope that can be taken and probably yeah. can be taken from what's happening here now yeah and, and the actual race itself there was um you had uh, you had quang uh win again this year and uh and he's actually taken the series as well isn't he but just um yeah what a, a phenomenal runner he is and um yeah so how did the actual race play out yeah so on the for the men we had uh quang and then he was running against uh hum hai which is uh he's a champion for the last two years got you and he hum hai had been up there for about a month before the race checking out the trail and training you know altitude training and uh having a good time by all accounts uh, so he was super ready and uh and they so we were excited for this head-to-head -head battle between those two but unfortunately uh he had a an accident and so he was off, off the course around uh, 1 a.m and then it became quang versus these uh there's two french runners here 
uh, one of them, Roman, we won the BJM 70. They were chasing Quang down. So Quang had opened up a good gap, but he uh, he was he'd given everything and he was slowing very much after the last checkpoint. Uh, but they didn't have uh, any time checks on him, so they didn't know how close they were. So actually, when Quang came to the finish, that's about 500 meter run in at the Sefadika Lodge, he was actually sat down. We had a live feed on him, which these two guys who were chasing him couldn't see, of course. So he sat down on the ground and they were only three minutes behind. Wow. Uh, at that point, he's, he's not moving. And then he stood up and he started to move, but only just down this last 500 meters. And there's, we put the national flags along the finish there. And normally uh, champions will grab their national flag and finish with it. And he stumbled across to his national flag and he couldn't pull it out of the ground. He didn't have the strength to do that. And he sort of vaguely pointed at one of the camera guys, grabbed me that flag. And it looked like he'd had, you know, 10 pints and <laughs> weaving his way down to the finish line. And we had the, the people there with the string ready for him to break and lift it. And he just walked straight through that string like, like it wasn't there and collapsed right over the finish line. Uh, he had given absolutely everything. And I mean, he knows his body because he, he, he'd given everything to the point where a little bit more and it could have been bad, I think, but he's, he pushed it just to that point where he was, he, he was okay. But then, uh, yeah, Roman and uh, Zitan came across the finish line very, very shortly afterwards and they actually looked great. <laughs> so they were, they were dead fresh. But if they'd known, yeah, you know, and, 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 and some of us knew how close they were. So watching that video, especially watching afterwards, actually, if you go onto the Facebook page and you see it, when you know that these two guys are just behind him and you're watching him sat on the floor, it's quite, it was a yeah, very, uh, very exciting finish. And he, so, yeah, he's the champ and he, he's, uh, he took the Vietnam Trail Series. And then for the women, we had uh, Nathalie Cochet from uh, France. She used to be based in Thailand. So a lot of your runners who are based in Thailand will know her. And uh, she's very, very strong over long distance. And so she won BMM 100K before. And we had uh, the local star, Luang, who's now uh, leading Asia Trailmaster as yeah. a series because of her victories in uh, Jungle, sorry, second place at Vietnam Jungle Marathon. And she won uh, BMM. So she was dead strong on the day. And she, they were running fairly closely together. But in the end, uh, Natalie was on perhaps of a bad day and doing was on a great day. And so she, she took the, she took the win for the, for the women, which is great for female trail running in Vietnam yeah. to see the, the somebody who's not only leading the races here, but on the, on the ATM circuit as well. She's number one. Um, and her compatriot actually Chung, who used to be based in Singapore, who I'm sure some of your listeners will know, cause everybody, it seems most people know who Chung is. So he's now in leading the, He's a trail master for the men as well, based yeah. on obviously his victories in, uh, in Vietnam. Yeah, it was a great, really good racing and uh, and amazing conditions as well. But it, a little bit tough because it was a bit cold at night time and then it was hot in the daytime. So for the 100k runners, it was uh, yeah pretty difficult, I think, to cope with the, the temperature changing. But overall, yeah, really good conditions and, uh, and good racing. Yeah, well, well done for pulling it off, mate. Um, yeah, really. Um, yeah, I think it's given, as you say, it's given everyone hope, not just across Asia, but across across the world about what 2021 might um, might hold. So so what does it hold for you guys? Um, and you've had to sort of, so VMM is going to be in August next year, you say? Yes, we've moved VMM uh, by a few weeks into August. Uh, so the, this is post-COVID calendar, really. So we've moved uh, the Vietnam Jungle Marathon into October because we had to 
yeah. actually runners loved it at that time of year. It's a bit cooler and it makes it a lot easier to complete that course. So uh, I was always thinking about moving it and runners have asked a lot of times and, and even and the crew also. So all of us together feel like it's the right thing to do. So uh, Jungle Marathon will now be October and then Vietnam Mountain Marathon last week of August, which is actually when the rice terraces are the most beautiful, the golden rice terrace. Uh, and then we have our race in a few weeks in Mok Cho, the Vietnam Trail Marathon, which will be four and a half thousand potentially, which is our biggest race bigger than BMM now. And then uh, we're going to have this new one that we spoke about that we have yeah, to the- actually, we just had to just move it into next year. But we've changed that a little bit. So that will be announced in the coming days. But the idea with that is we'll have parts of the new uh, BMM 100 mile route will be in it. We've, we've added 100 miles for the first time next year. Uh, so we're adding some of that 100 mile route so people can try that. And then uh, a couple of longer distances so we'll have uh, a 70, a 50, a 40, and a, something like a 25. But that's also up in Sapper. So it's like a VMM second edition almost, which will be in May. So, uh, a new, yeah, a new VMM for people to, to come and try. So that will be the calendar January, May, August, and October. I know it's coming out. 4,000 people. I don't think I've been in a room with more than five in about a year. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah that's um yeah i mean we we thought maybe it would get to four and a half thousand people within a few years but definitely not with covid in the way of it and uh yes we've been very very pleasantly surprised but that this is the race which has the the blossom and it's just before tech so the lunar new year so uh, i think for a lot of people it's a, a great way to sort of close out the year and sort of finish the year on a really positive note and then go into the lunar new year break so uh, it fits really well in the, in the calendar for Vietnam. Well, we just um, hope that we have some sort of travel bubble between Singapore and uh, and Vietnam opening up soon. I mean, yeah, I don't know what the chances are, but hopefully by mid next year, hopefully like August, VMM could be a um, yeah could be in the diary for for us as well. But um, I really yeah, hope so. so. It'd be lovely to have you guys, and also we we have a lot of Singapore runners come over, and it, we do miss. We miss that actually, that international yeah. feeling at the races, and particularly the we the groups from Singapore that kind of always got good mates and a good crack to have around the, the race. We'll be very happy to welcome everybody back from your part of the world for sure. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, congratulations again, David. Yeah, fantastic job. Very well <laughs> deserved. And there was some, uh, as we say, there were some really great sort of challenges and races this year. But I think uh, you guys deserve the props for what you pulled off in in a, in a really tra- challenging year and to. Yeah, give everyone hope of, uh, of the uh, life getting back to normal um, uh, in 2021. Lovely. Thank you very much again, guys. And yeah, like I say, hope to welcome you over this part of the world soon. Yeah. And yeah, congrats to the entire team as well. Yeah, they're all like, I know that there's a, yeah, there's a whole village behind uh, or many villages behind it and all the local people that support your races as well. So um, yeah, this is really a, like a, a hat tip to the... Uh, to the ultra running community in um, in uh, in Vietnam as well. That's awesome. Thanks. But when this comes out, we'll sit in the office and have a have a listen to it and uh, celebrate once more. I think. Yeah. Good stuff. Congrats, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Okay. Great to hear from uh, hear from David there. Um, and uh, and yeah, I hope we uh, we get to go up there at some point. Go up for the August race next year. 
Um, so yeah, moving on to um, to the second award for for the year, FKT of the year. Um, so um, starting um, starting with some uh, some honourable mentions. Yeah, as, as we talked before, there was like a, it's the year of the FKT, but I think that there is um, it's still sort of just um, the actual website and people logging them onto the website is. Um, uh, is still starting to gain mo- momentum here. So there were quite a few which were um, which were kind of done and known, but they weren't actually logged on the uh, on the site. So um, yeah, a couple of honourable mentions. We've got um, Veronica Vadovakova who um, who did uh, a Hong Kong Trail um, FKT as well as uh, the LT70 uh, like unofficial race. She got the um, she got the fastest ever time on that as well. So. Um, yeah, hats off to her. Um, you also had um, uh, Ruth Theresia who um, who did uh, an FKT on on Mount Gide in in Indonesia, um, which was a, a crazy performance of um, yeah. So it's not the longest of trails, but the elevation is uh, is significant. It's around twenty six k. But um, yeah, that seems like one of the more iconic ones. There, it's the only it's the only I was looking yesterday. It's the only Indonesian route on the fastest known time website at the moment and yeah. there's been a few people smashing out fkts on it in just in the last few weeks i think the 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 men's times changed hands three or four times just since the start of december so yeah um that's a that's a fairly becoming if not already quite an iconic trail i think yeah i mean i think by the time we um we do this um next year i think that there will be a lot more times logged on a lot more um, routes in in asia um here in singapore we had um jean Henri who did um it's once again not an official route on the fkt we did around the island in singapore there's been a few people that have done around the islands his route was um was 150 kilometers and he did it in um in 16 hours just over 16 hours um i went and joined him on a bit and it was just a yeah extremely hot as it always in, is in singapore but um but a phenomenal run from him um and then uh and then roman glow who's um uh, i've run with quite a bit really nice guy here in singapore um he's um he's actually just in the last month or so has has knocked off a a few of the um the fkts in singapore like the east to west and uh and uh and south to north so yeah shout out to roman for um for logging a few fkt times there yeah, so you know that said, there were a few um, particularly iconic attempts that were made this year, and and we wanted to recognise those with the top three. Yeah, so I think uh, Hong Kong features a lot within these awards. It's kind of the adventure playground of um, of Asia when it comes to ultra running, I and mean, it's the it's um, obviously with the Oxfam Trail Walker was the very first race ultra running race in um, in uh, in the region. Um, and yeah, there were um, notably two um, two incredible performances um, uh, when it comes to FKTs in in Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, if any of you have seen the video, and if you haven't, I'd, I'd strongly recommend you go and check it out. But um, Stone's attempt on the Wilson Trail, uh, which we have in third place, was uh, just uh, amazing to watch. Yeah, um, yeah, from from the north of um, of Hong Kong on the border with China down to the uh, um, down to uh, south of Hong Kong Island in Stanley, um, and yeah, just a just a great performance from um, from Stone there. Yeah, he beat his what was his target? He beat his target by you know a handful of 
seconds. Yeah, basically. he was gunning for gunning for sub ten. Yeah, um, and yeah. So second on the list, um, we have uh, in Japan Kauri Nee, who um, who did a, a circuit around uh, Shiga Mountain, which was a 435 kilometer route that she um, she did in a, in six days um, and and lodged a, a, an FKT there, which was just a yeah crazy distance and performance. Yeah, it sounds like it's a, a fairly iconic route there. Um, I mean, it's not a mess. It's not something we know all that much about, but I sort of try and avoid looking at the pictures too closely at the, at the moment. It just it's too uh, envy-inducing without being able to travel up there. But um, yeah, to have the outright FKT on that, um, you know, fastest time by a man or a woman, is uh, is really impressive. Yeah, and uh, and so a number one for the um, for the FKT of the year of, of the year, Rick. Yeah, in the end, there really, there really was only one, I think, and that's uh, that's Chung's attempt on the Mac, um, which he smashed out. And what was his what was his time in the it end? It was ele- um, sorry, ten hours and thirty uh, thirty eight minutes. Yeah, I mean the the Macklehose being probably the, oh, I mean almost certainly the single most iconic trail in Asia. Um, that hundred k route that cuts right across Hong Kong. And it's, it's sort of well known to the outside world for, you know, for Oxfam Trail Walker, which doesn't follow exactly the same route towards the end. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people who've run that route and uh, to go and get the, the fastest time ever recorded on it is, uh, is really impressive. Yeah. And so to, um, to um, receive the award on behalf of Chung um, and to also can give us a bit of information around Stone's um, uh, FKT of the Wilson. Uh, welcome uh, back onto the podcast, uh, Mr. Ryan Blair. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Mr. Ryan Blair, welcome back onto the Endurance Asia podcast. Um, thank you for joining to be able to accept the award, the award on uh, Wang Ho Chung's behalf as a as FKT of the year. Um, great to see you again, mate. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for getting in touch. Always great to chat, Scott. And uh, no, I'm happy to happy to. Well, I'll, I think if there's an official acceptance, we can always uh, we can always you know get Chung on the line or whatever. But um, it's good just to chat a little bit about what what kind of went into it, and then of course also um, Stone's performance too. I know that you want to <clears throat> you want to maybe chat on as well. Yeah, and that's why bringing you on, obviously, um, uh, you leading the North Face Adventure Racing team um, and uh, and sort of helping both out with the with the FKTs. I thought it would be really good for you to to give us a bit of an insight into into how it all happened. But I mean, going into the year, I'm sure there were massive plans for for all of your athletes from uh, UTMB to I'm sure you had a whole schedule mapped out. So um, how did you sort of like flip the script on it and uh, and decide on a new plan for 2020? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I mean, first of all, we we were a little bit lucky with the beginning of the year. We had a lot going on as far as the team and stuff. I don't know if you remember in January, Jay and I were um, deep in Burma on the border in of North Cindy. On, on the, yeah, yeah, on the in the Chin Hills. Um, really, just a, an expedition of exploration and and with a hill tribe theme and you know connecting with the Chin the Chin people. And of course, Jay being Karen Hill tribe background, him kind of rediscovering a lot of his youth um, and, uh, and whatnot. You, that's a, that's a, that's a show you should do sometime is Jay 
uh, just Jay's story, his background, you know, his. We will um, get him on for sure. But yeah, that trip, you know, looked, uh, that trip looks incredible but, following that. It looks great. But yeah. And then, and then there were still several races going on, you know, Thailand. Um, well, by and large, Thailand for the year is the one country in Asia. I mean, I, I guess you could say Thailand and mainland China. Um, and except Vietnam, for, of yeah. course. And the, and the Vietnam towards the end of the year. Yeah. But, but, um, but anyways, yeah. So, so we were busy there. And then the, remember the Borneo old, the Borneo Ulta trail got that just made it in time. Just came um, through. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was that in March. It was um, mid March. Yeah. And, you know, David, David won that as his first, you know, his first hundred mile win. Um, so that was, that was big. Thailand had a few different races going on um, with the North Face 100 and a few other, you know, a few other things. And then, um, of course, Hong Kong 100 Vibram slid in in January, too, before everything got canceled. So and that uh, Chung had a uh, phenomenal race there. Stingray also was second in the first 50 there. I don't know if you, um, you remember that they had, a, they had a 50 category for the first time. Where did Chung come in, um, in the... Uh... He, he, he had a great race. He ended up fourth. Yeah. If I'm not, if I remember correctly, yeah, I came in fourth um, with a, I you know, know, very, very strong international field. That, of course, for viewers that don't know, it was one of only two world tour races in Asia, at least, at least historically. I need yeah. to double check for next next year again. But, um, you know, with uh, UTMF in Japan and then the Hong Kong 100 being the, the two. So, yeah, so that was so, yeah, we so we had a busy first few months. Um, I actually remember hearing about the. I was in the middle of remote Burma when we came out and met, finally met our, we met our support team after a couple of days and they were like, yeah, some virus in China. And we're like, what? Like, <laughs> uh, I shouldn't, I mean, it wasn't obviously funny, but it was, you know, it was, it was just kind of one of those moments, you know, like so remote and then coming back to the um, modern world, so to speak, as far as connectivity. Um, but anyways, yeah. So then we got into summer and then summer's kind of the low re- the low season anyways as far as southeast asia as far as asia in general in terms of in terms of racing it's so hot most places and um so there wasn't it wasn't like that you know we were so dramatically affected of course there were some end of the spring events that were canceled and whatnot the big thing of course it was was utmb and looking at europe which was going to be a feature for us this year again and you know we all you know we're kind of holding our breath but we pretty much knew you know it wasn't going to happen so um so the main thing was re-looking at the whole fall, kind of from September when we would have been in Europe finishing, you know, with, with UTMB and everything and looking at the fall season and what we could, what we could salvage and what we could, what we could do that's, you know, both to just to engage the community and, and whatnot. And also to um, obviously um, keep the, keep our team, you know, keep the athletes motivated um, and just, what really ended up happening, you know, with this, this FKT thing was just, Oh, you know, really getting involved with, I mean, to be honest, our, you know, it's, it's been 15 years now for our team, um, not for all the athletes, but it's, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of racing <laughs> and not that that's the only thing we do, but it, it's been kind of a refreshing break to be honest. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a shame for the race directors and for the events and all that. I mean, I definitely feel for them. I myself personally being in that, the outdoor industry, as far as with a few different businesses, we were, I mean, dramatically affected, um, across, you know, the, our entire group. So it's been, I can feel their pain for sure. But, um, 
But in terms of the athlete team, uh, it was it was kind of it was a refreshing break from racing, to be honest. And it was I remember I sat down with Stingray Chung and Stone in particular, and uh, was it maybe in September or and we kind of just hey, so what you know what <clears throat> what makes sense here to kind of sink our teeth into with some sort of goal, and and that's kind of where the FKT um, side things um, you know emanated from and. And surprise, I was really surprised to find out that Hong Kong, you know, with a global FKT, uh, whatever you want to call it, the website yes. and the organization, I think it's based out of the, out of the U.S. Um, they didn't, I mean, very few in Asia and, and, and none in Hong Kong as far as yeah. records that were, that, that have been set. And the States and Europe, of course, is quite a, quite a, you know, a fairly well-known um, thing. Um and Certainly, so it's, it was kind it's of gained fun. prominence this year. I mean, there's a lot in Australia, but uh, but yeah, I was also there, there's okay. kind of unofficial FKTs. I mean, a lot of these trails in Hong Kong have races on them, right? So there are times uh, there are times that are effectively been logged. So that and that's that's why the FKT culture or whatever you want to say never really took root. I think in Hong Kong on an international scale because we've been you know, just spoiled for so many races here, just, just every weekend yeah. <laughs> on, on, you know, I mean, especially the last decade. Um, so I guess there wasn't really this sense of people kind of didn't, weren't paying attention even and didn't really, you know, there's, and all the races have their course records and, you know, and, and, and all that. So there wasn't uh, really, you know, too much, um, too much, you know, interest or demand or whatever, but, but once we started to kind of think about it more, you know, with Hong Kong, there are, there are several, you know, four, four in particular, very iconic trails. And it really made sense to look at those and, and just think, Hey, well, what, you know, what is the, the, the fastest recorded time actually on the official trail start to finish. And that in particular, you know, was with, of course, the, with the Wilson starting off with stone and then with the McElhose with Chung and then, you know, we, of course, there's the two other trails are Hong Kong Trail and Lantau Trail. So there are, um, you know, we may, we might we might do something else. We're still Stingray's got he's pretty motivated and has had some injuries he's been dealing with. But he he definitely wants to make it take a crack at, at something as well. Yeah, the, uh, the so sort we'll of hope. mid distance for Stingray. So the Hong Kong Trail will be here. Will be perfect uh, distance oh, for him, right? Incredible, incredible. So we, yeah, it'd be really fun, and, and it's a hell of a record that there that that's. Uh, was actually part of a race, but yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe we'll have some annou announcement there later. Um, if you know, things come together. Yeah. I mean, Rick and I, and, uh, and we consulted a few other people and we, we've, we've um, had Wong Ho Chung's as the, as the top FKT of the year. Um, you know, the most iconic trail we, we seem to think in Asia, I mean, it's kind of the genesis of ultra running in, uh, in Asia with Oxfam trail walker, and the the history with uh, with all of the training from the Gurkhas there, but um, before we get into Wong Ho Chung, we definitely need to talk about Stone. He's back. He's uh, he seems like he had like a couple of fallow years after smashing the Hong Kong Four Trails, and he's been a bit quieter. But um, uh, he's obviously going to be training for that next year. But then I think um, the he came uh, he came out of the um, out of the closet for uh, for for the Wilson. So what made you decide for um, for Wilson for um, for Stone to it, take on, it was it made total sense because of the um, a few reasons. One, the distance is 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 an is you know the eighty k roughly is is quite nice as as 
when you're jumping back into things to kind of test yourself before, um, you know, doing something, any, I mean, it's long enough, so to speak, you know? Um, and then that, that, that trail is, is, has some personal meaning for, um, you know, for stone, there's, there's, one of the one of the earliest sort of ultra running races is the Raleigh Wilson Trail, which had three different distances, and Stone was the record holder and had won several times, and that was you know very early on in his career, so he knew the trail quite well from that, um, and um, yeah, just and just more thinking about you know really trails that are iconic, and and I, you know I mentioned the four the four kind of most famous ones, and you know Wilson Wilson just so unique because it. Um, it's the only trail from the, literally from the border of mainland China to, um, you know, to, to the, to the South, you know, to, to, to Hong, the end of Hong Kong Island, essentially, essentially, um, and, or to the edge. And so that meaning it's the only trail that actually, the only trail period that crosses through new territories, Kowloon and Hong Kong Island. So that makes it unique. You have a subway ride to negotiate in the whole thing, like running through. And have you, I think you, you saw the video, maybe, yeah. Maybe we can share the link um, of, st- of ch- Chungs and Stones in your on your we podcast. Add, add the link to the mind. show notes. Incredible videos. So, so yeah, so I mean, it, Wilson was an exci- a perfect and exciting challenger stone. Um, you know, for, for for all these reasons, we knew it'd be dramatic as well to cover such a variety. You know, from I mean, just you know, technical, technical. Uh, uh, you know, rocky <laughs> ridges to staircases to, to li- like McElhose, you know, to catch waters, to pave roads, to, you know, um, et, et cetera. So, um, but for, for, for Stone, it was a thing with him that was, that made this so special is because the performance was, was, was great for sure. Um, uh, of course, you know, he, he is, it's not like, we knew he was going to set a, a, it was about, a, it was about, it was, it was really about setting a, a solid record. He made a, he made a declaration. He wanted to go under 10 hours. So that was a nice, you know, marker. Um, but to be honest, even under 11, I think he's still going to uh, have the FKT, you know, fastest known time, but um, it was about setting a solid record, but even more than that for him, it was um, just like you mentioned, he'd been away, you know, for, because of some personal reasons also with injury, he'd really hadn't raced for almost the better part of two years. And for him, he's 40, he's 42 years old. He's kind of like the living legend. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, he's the first Chinese uh, that's, that's had any success really, I think over overseas and on the, on the, on the big international stage in Europe, you know, he's top 20 UTMB multiple times. Um, he's won races in Europe, you know, et cetera. Um, but anyways, uh, so for him, no matter any, anyway, with that pedigree, anyways, there's always that, you know, you, you've been away from, for two years for him, it was a a big test to be, Hey, do I still have it? Am I still stone, (laughs) you know? And, and then just with all the personal, you know, with, with, um, the injury to, you know, get through a real, you know, on long, on long injury to get over that and everything too. So yeah, for him, it was just a great, great way to kind of just um test himself and and hey like you said like i'm back <laughs> yeah of what i loved about it and the video is amazing but the um it's a really tough trail but they kind of say the toughest to last and the the um the twins in hong kong are very hot, iconic from parkview over to stanley and to finish off a hundred uh, an 80k trail with uh, with those two hills and 
he'd run out of water, it seemed, in the, uh, and it's completely, uns- and that whole the concept of an FKT is it's unsupported, right? So he couldn't take help from anyone else um, but, um, whilst on the trail. And the pain, I, I like felt it like viscerally seeing that video and seeing the pain of him stumbling up uh, Violet Hill, I forget which one it is, just um, clearly um, dehydrated. Um, but yeah, he and he made managed yeah. to make it within like a, a few seconds of like the ten hour cut off he had set up for set for himself. That yeah, I mean, the, the classic, you know, in stone fashion, he dug so deep to pull it off, and he, I mean, uh, the he had felt so good for like eight hours, and then he, you know, yeah, ran, ran out of food and water the last hour and a half, and and food he he knew he could kind of he could. Well, actually, no, he 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 thought he had one more gel left. That's right. And he didn't. So that was his food situation. And then with his hydration and, and water situation, he, you know, he was getting close and he just, one of the streams he should have refilled. He just said, oh, I'll just, I'll just do the last one. I can make it. He was kind of the final push. And then that last stream was dry. So there's no water there. <laughs> so that's when he totally unraveled and, and um, yeah, to see him, you really couldn't have scripted it better, you know, in terms of the storybook ending. Um, and in terms I mean, of the, the drama, emotion the drama, you can see when he but gets then, to the end. Oh, and then he and then he reaches the. I I actually totally wrote. I saw him in a couple of places in those in the last the last hour and a half, and I was like, oh, it's you know, you're gonna set a FKT, and um, no matter what, you know, I in my head I'd already written off like you're not gonna go under ten hours. There's no way, like, <laughs> like and I guess. And he got to the top of the twin somehow he you know got to the top what you see in the video how he did it and he and he he had six he, i think it was six minutes or something to get to get off or a few a few minutes and he just all of a sudden just bolted down the stairs and then you saw him like at the end he literally stumbling and 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 yeah in, in typical stone fashion like you know dig so deep and he he finishes with like 40 four seconds to spare under 10 hours <laughs> um, absolutely incredible incredible so yeah we can't wait to see him um come uh come back to go for the breaking 50 for hong kong Fort trails yeah. next year we're excited to see that but um but yeah let's move on to to the winner of the award um probably i mean if stone's kind of like the um the sort of godfather of uh hong, Ch- hong kong chinese ultra running i think we can safe safe to say that wong ho chang is the is the current king. Um, he's just, uh, I mean, with Hong Kong 100, uh, like top five, fourth spot or something this year. He did a Hong Kong 360 in 36 hours in four sections, which will, was just an incredible run in the, sum, in, the, in the heat of Hong Kong summer. Um, and so when you were looking at who to take on FKT, the most iconic trail in probably the whole of Asia Pacific, um, and, uh, and yeah, you decide to have that one for, um, uh, for, for, Ch- uh, Chung, t- um, to take on. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, it made total sense, right. Um, for him to take that on and, and he did have, a, a, he had an ankle injury. He actually originally was going to maybe do Lantau the 70 and then, and then, um, had that lead on to the McElhose, but then he had this ankle injury. We forget about that. And so we just really gave him time and just said, Hey, you, you know, when your body's ready, um, just, 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 just the Mac only just focus on the Mac. That's, that's the big one. Like you say, it's really probably outside of mountaineering trails. 
in the Himalayas and stuff, it's probably, you know, the most, at least for trail running, it's, you could say it's the most famous trail in Asia or most iconic. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so he, he got his body, you know, back in form and, 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 uh, his injury dealt with, and that, that was okay. So really it was just about, um, again, for him, like stone, we knew, I mean, unless you got injured or something during the, the, during the, the FKT, we knew he was going to set a record. It was just a matter of how, how low could he go. And, um, and, you what know, was really the record? Just, like, so, so had the record been from a previous trail walker or I, yeah? Well, no, no. Cause, cause that's it, not unsupported. It actually, that's not unsupported. And the last 10% of trail walker is different. Um, yeah. it's also, it's also a team race. So, you know, there've been some fast times, but I mean, generally in trail walker, you know, you get under, you know, as a team, you get under 12 hours. There's been, you know, several teams that have done that, which is, you know, I think it's, you know, it's something to be proud of. You've managed, yeah. if you manage that. Um, but uh, yeah. And then of course, Hong Kong hundred uses a lot of that course too. Um, so we had to, you know, anyways, but we had, for him, it really, I think was about being un unsupported okay, how much, uh, or I should say self-supported. That's, that's, Can that's you just the clarify the, um, the, the difference between unsupported and self-supported? Well, cause so self-supported, you're on your own. You can, you can go, you could go to a, a 7-Eleven or, or a, 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 you yeah. know, a country park stall, food stall or something and, and, and buy something. Yeah. Um, or as you see it, you see in Chung's video, you know, in the, the some beach shop bar yeah. in the, in the cor corner of Saikong. Um, so that, you know, that would be, if you're totally, that'd be self-supported. If you're yeah. totally unsupported. You have to carry all your water. You, er, everything from, from the very beginning, you couldn't, you know, go find a shop or something. So yeah. it just made sense. And we want self-supported made a lot of sense too, because we wanted to set a record where, you know, anybody could go out and give it a go. And, and yeah. just because we have a, just because we have quite a, a successful and, 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 um, you know, solid team and, and, and more resources or whatever. didn't want it to be like, you know, any sort of, uh, advantage for, you know, for our athletes or, you know, so anybody could go there and start, you know, and, in uh, you know, at, at the official start point and of course record it and, and have a go and, and see how, you know, see how they stack up, so, so to speak. So, but anyways, for, for, yeah, for Chung, um, it was really about, okay, it's a self-supported, you know, how much, where are you going to lose time? How much time are you, are you able to, you know, to, to spend? And it turned out he was pretty, he, in the video, he looks pretty casual and it, <laughs> and it, he actually even did some self-recording video, you know, on his phone. It was yeah. great that he felt, he, you know, he felt, he felt really good most of it, but it wasn't like it was easy. <laughs> of course. I mean, 10 hours, 38 minutes. Um, uh, and the, the key thing of course is, is, you know, where are you going to find water and hydration yeah. and, and, and planning that? And that's where, I mean, it, the thing that was so, you know, different than from, from stones was, you know, stone was just this epic at the end, you know, digging so deep Chung, it was just this Chung's whole thing was just flawless preparation and flawless execution. That really was kind of sums up, you know, what it, what it, um, how it went. And the, and the, the hydration water side of things, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, 
you got to find water, uh, which places are streams or, or runoffs going to be dry this time of year or flowing. And that's where a lot of the, the pre recce focus, yeah. you know, was on, on, you know, on that side more than, um, so what, what was he, his target time? He didn't want to be, you know, super crazy with his, his, his estimate, so to speak. He, so he said, I'm going to, you know, 11, anything, you know, 11 hours is a good target. Um, yeah. personally, I knew, personally, I knew he would, you know, getting under, um, 11 would, is quite realistic. Um, but I didn't, again, didn't want to, you know, give him too much pressure. Our film plan, it turned out was 1035 to make sure we're going to be there. And, uh, <laughs> and you just <laughs> made it kind of fun. It was 1038. Yeah. Um, I mean, watching but, the video, one of the things is that I find so incredible with both of them is that they just weren't carrying like anything. I think they both just had a 500 mil water, um, uh, like water bottles. Was that right? So they had a liter of water at any one time. Yeah. So the, the, the gear, the gear preparation was, was also was, yeah, super key. Just trying to, how light could he possibly go and not, I mean, just riding that, that's again, it was really about gear and hydration and, and riding that balance, that edge, right. Of the most minimal setup. And it was interesting. He had, he had two soft bottles and um, I mean, no, and of course it's not a race. So there's no mandatory equipment list or whatever. So he had no jacket, no anything. It was crazy windy that day and the temperature dropped a lot too. So it was kind of borderline, like I, maybe it helped him run faster. Um, <laughs> but but uh, in terms of, you know, cold, cold conditions and stuff, but he did, he was fine with that. But um, it's, it's funny. He, uh, not funny, but at the time, but he actually, one of his bottles, he, he, he actually broke the cap off and, and, uh, and he, he actually, uh, broke the cap up in the beginning and, and actually, um, what did he do in the end? He, he kept it with him, but it basically is un unusable. So he already, he lost like half his water capacity very early on. And <laughs> it was something he talked crazy, right? It, something he talked about at the end. And it was just like, he really, you know, this is a big part of ultra running is you have these kind of challenges, these, these unexpected things that happen. And okay, what well, are you going to, are you going to cry about it? Or are you going to like be optimistic and just be positive and figure out a way, figure out a solution. So he immediately was just reassessing, okay, in all these places, I'm going to pick up water. I'm going to drink more here. I'm going to do this there. I'm going to, but the reality was he, yeah, he was lucky to get through it without like falling apart. Like, like, like stone did. Um, yeah, well, I mean, an incredible run. And uh, I think both his and Stone's records, FKTs, are going to stand for, for quite a few quite a few years to come. Are you, um, are you planning? You need to do them in the other direction now. And, uh, and also, there's the Hong Kong Trail and, and, uh, and Lantau, which needs to be checked off. Are they, uh, are they going to be in the diary for 2021? Um, yeah, po possibly. I was mentioning, you know, we want, definitely want Stingray to sink his teeth into something. Um, and, uh, you know, the Hong Kong hundred is going to be virtual and they're, they're allowing a month for it to, you know, for it to be, um, open, so to speak to, um, so there'll be some, some good virtual races. Um, but yeah, I think the, the FKT thing is, is something I think that's here to say here to stay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, um, I, it's great to kind of get recognized too on the, on the global, you know, on the global website and the global site and all that as well. And, and, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see, uh, really the for stone four trails, massive commitment. That's over Chinese new year. That's his yeah. big focus for beginning of the year. Um, 
Um, I mean, one thing we didn't mention when you're talking earlier about just races being canceled and stuff, you know, Thailand has done remarkably well in terms of continuing to hold, you know, many big events. Jay was, Jay was extremely busy this fall racing locally in, um, you know, in, in, in Northern Thailand, especially, um, gosh, I think he did three different, three different like major events with thousands of people taking part. So, so there, there could well be still, you know, like a lot of races going on there. Um, yeah, very but, good. Well, we're, yeah, yeah. we're excited to see what the 10, I'm sure, um, yeah, by, by August next year, I'm sure that UTMB will think, well, we can only have fingers crossed, but you'll be able to get the team back out there to, to put the North, North Face Adventure Racing team on the, uh, on the map again. And, um, and yeah, I'm hope, I hope to see you out adventure racing soon as well, mate. I'm, uh, yeah, we were talking before about the renewed, uh, interest in the sport after Eco Challenge and World Toughest Race. Um, yeah. Let's. Uh, I, I want to see you get a, get a team together again, and uh, maybe rope um, someone, uh, maybe Jay back in again. But um, yeah, get get maybe Stingray to come and join you next time. Super man, thanks so much for chatting. Great to. Well, and thanks. Uh, I'll def, I'll definitely let Chung and Stone know, and and uh, they'll be they'll be super pleased. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. Thanks yeah. a lot, Ryan. Always great to speak, sir. Yeah. Speak Thank soon, you, man. Okay. Like the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Okay, so the final award of this episode, uh, we are going to be recognising the extraordinary feat of the year. Um, once again, there has been a, a whole host of unbelievable performances um, uh, for um, in 2020. Um, people have really... Uh, some people have really been able to um, to overcome the uh, the fact that no races are on, and been able to come up with some um, uh, some really great challenges and just a really great performances. So we've um, we've got a few um, honourable mentions here. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned John Henry earlier doing his round the island on foot in Singapore, 150k. I mean, the round the island route is is pretty well known to cyclists in Singapore. Um, it's not something people typically run. Um, and uh, it, may, it may have been run before, but uh, certainly, um, certainly when he put that up on Strava, there was a lot of people who were sort of mind blown by what he'd managed to do um, in just 16 hours. So that was uh, certainly noteworthy. Um, and then, and then Chung again. Um, I mean, as you say, some people have really kind of gone above and beyond this year. So not only has he set the fastest known time on the Maclehos Trail, but earlier in the year he did uh, the Hong Kong 360, which was 360 kilometers. I mean, basically all over Hong Kong, sort of the full, yeah. full, you know, circuit around the compass um, in in 36 hours, um, which is just an, an astonishing achievement. Yeah, done in four sections, um, going all around the new territories and Kowloon, and then um, which was two of the sections, and then Lantau Island and Hong Kong Island. Um, yeah, and, and doing that all within. Um, within 36 hours in the height of the summer um which as we all know in hong kong it can be unbearable so um, yeah yeah i mean it's been it's been nice to see that this year particularly i mean he had he had a big breakout performance at utmb last year didn't he finish sixth i think Yeah, yeah um but i mean that's been one of the the sort of revelations of this year has been seeing people sort of forced back onto home turf to see what they can do and 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 to have him knock out couple of amazing performances in in hong kong has been great yeah 
Yeah, and um, and yeah, it's, we, it's also um, uh, the important. Uh, we talked a bit about the backyards, but um, Yukinori uh, Yoshida in the most recent Last Samurai standing. So they've actually done three this year. Tomo's done three backyard ultras in Japan, and the most recent one, uh, Yuki managed a, a total of fifty-four yards, which is. You know, right up there with um, yeah, with some of the best performances ever in in backyard ultras. So definitely worthy of a worthy of a call out. Yeah, that's the APAC record, isn't it? I mean, it's worth it. We're giving a shout. Out. Let's not forget Abby here in Singapore. Yeah. Um, I mean, sort of only in air quotes, thirty four yards, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but as as we know from the backyard ultra format you're only really as good as, as the assist. And, uh, you know, Hongwei did a, a fantastic performance, but it'd be really interesting to see what Abby can go on and do, um, you know, if he can fly over to Biggs next year. Yeah, well, he's definitely got a spot on the, uh, at, the, uh, at the start line. Okay, so moving on to the, uh, the top three for, um, for um, the extraordinary um, feat of the year. Uh, in third place, we've gone with uh, Nugo Yam, who, um, who won the, who finished the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge in, uh, in just over 54 hours this year, um, which was the third fastest time ever um, after, um, after, uh, after um, Tom Robertshaw and Stone, I think it was in 20, year 2017. Um, so yeah, just a, um, a a really incredible run from him, and just a a beautiful a beautiful guy, a beautiful person, Nepalese guy based in Hong Kong. Um, and yeah, if you if you follow the um, he the um, if you go and check out the video of the of um, the HK three sixty from Chung from Wong Ho Chung, Nugo was actually a big sort of a, a supporter in that and run with uh, Chung a lot. Um, he also ran the Hong Kong one hundred just and I think finished. 13th I want to say or maybe 30th actually but it's finishing 13 hours just um uh just one week before going to do the four trails so um yeah like really uh, amazing performance from Hugo at Hong Kong four trails uh second up on the um on the extraordinary feat of the year we've gone with um Mayank Ved and his Everest man yeah, I mean, we, we certainly wanted to recognise more than just um, running and, 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 and Everest Man was certainly more than just running. I mean, that was, you know, if you've not listened to the, the podcast with my ink, go and, go and do that. But it was, you know, that was doing the, the, the height of Everest in three different formats. So an 8,800 8, metre swim uh, and then climbing that, that height on a, a bike followed immediately by climbing the same height again on foot. Um, never been done before. I mean, m- most people um, are, are pretty... You know, it's a sort of lifetime achievement to knock out an Everest thing by, by bike or by foot alone. Um, so to do to do that was just uh, again amazing, amazing accomplishment. Yeah, well, I mean, we um, um, reached out to the the organizer of the of Everesting, and and actually there was only there's only been like two or three people that have done both a Everesting on foot and bike. There's probably a few more now, but this was at the um, at the end of last year. But for someone to do those back to back um i mean you are allowed to sleep in between but he did he did both the swim the uh the everest on the bike and everest on foot and i think in a total of 70 hours with a sleep in between the um the ride and foot and so yeah it's the kind of unique um unique side of it that um that is really uh, was worthy of the uh, the call out and second spot for the um for the uh extraordinary feat of the year 
Yeah, I mean, and and you know, like a lot of these, there was you could you could kind of make any one of them the winner. Really, they're all absolutely amazing accomplishments by by incredible people. Um, but you know, with with the winner of this category, we've gone with uh, Stephen Redfern and his his Garage Ultra or Self Isolation Ultra, I think was the official title. Um, really, I mean, a, an amazing thing to do, but just couldn't sum up twenty twenty any better. Really. Um, this was Stephen more or less locked in his garage for four days, running 90k a day in a 30 meter loop, um, just you know hour after hour. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean n- nothing says 2020 quite like uh, someone doing that. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, with that, here's uh, here's Stephen Redfern. Like the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hey, Mr. Stephen Redfern. It's uh, it's very good to see you again, sir, and um, and congratulations. Um, we'd like to award you with the endurance feat of the year or the extraordinary feat of the year for your uh, for your garage ultra over Easter. Um, and that that this is one of a whole host of amazing performances that you had in in 2020. I met you at the um, the Hong Kong Four Trails at the. Uh, uh, both on the trail and at the finish line when you came, came in second there after after Newgo with just an amazing run. But I think um, what you did over Easter with the Garage Ultra kind of like epitomizes the year of 2020 and the sort of quarantine aspect of, uh, of endurance sports. So congratulations. So yeah, like tell us about it. Tell us about the, the Garage Ultra that you did. Oh, look, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely humbled that you, uh, you thought of my ultra uh, in the garage there as your endurance ultra for the year. So, yeah, it's, um, as you said, it was definitely something that epitomised what, what year we've had. And, um, and just that month in April was just the perfect time to, to give a, 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 an isolation ultra a go. Um, I'm not sure if you had heard, so there was a movement going around that had started here in Victoria um, by a guy named John Lim about doing an isolation ultra. And the only rule basically was it just had to be within your property. So as long as it was more than 42 Ks and as long as you didn't uh, go outside of your property boundaries, um, just to sort of keep in track with the being in isolation, um, you could do whatever you like. So I just thought April being our strongest month at the time of being locked down, um, wanting to maybe break my garage in, I decided that I wanted to do my uh, my isolation ultra running around my garage, but never thought it'd end up being as big as what it did. So, so, I mean, so then they said, if it's over 42 kilometres, but you not only decided to do a 42 kilometre, you decided to do four days of way past 42 kilometers. So yeah, tell us the, um, the, the format that you chose. Yeah. So it, it started out. Um, so I made a decision on Easter that I'll do my, my ultra. Cause that was, that was the one weekend that we were really locked down and we were asked not to try and leave the, the place cause being Easter weekend. So I put up on Facebook, um, that I was going to do my ultra on that weekend, let everyone know on that, um, the ultra site. And I put up as a Facebook um, uh, survey. So I, I had a few ideas. So I wanted to either do 100 miles around my garage or maybe 24 hours around my garage, which I thought would be roughly about the same distance. So I put up a few offers. I said, what would everyone would like to see me do? So I had 
100 miles, 24 hours, 100 Ks, or just the, the usual 50, which is what most people were doing. But my wording wasn't quite the best. So I said, I'd like to do my garage ultra over the Easter long weekend. And here are my ideas. And one thing I didn't do when I went to post is I didn't lock out the bar where it allows people to add to the survey. So I put up my post, I log out of, I log out of my page, I go back into my page to make sure it's all working. And within that 30 seconds, the guy who started the ultra scene, the isolation ultra scene here, John Lim, had already put up an extra one on the bottom of mine and he just went four days over Easter, 90 Ks a day for 360 Ks and it already had 20 likes on that one. So no one had voted for my ones and everyone had just voted for his and that was within minutes. So I sort of <laughs> felt a bit pressured uh, to take up his challenge because everyone had already seen it and I sort of felt I couldn't go backwards. So, yeah, so basically three days later I had my garage set up and away I went starting on Good Friday and, um, yeah. And you say you, you had your garage set up. So you had um, a route that you'd planned out in your – it was um, – because it's – your garage was it? Was it a thirty-five meter uh, loop, or yeah? What was the uh, what was the setup? Close thirty-five would be nice. That's that's a few extra uh, kilometers, a uh, few extra meters. No, it was thirty-two point five meters. Um, so yeah, it was uh, a triple car garage, so in length. So I took everything out, um, had some cones, and um, basically set the cones up in a nice uh, loop around the garage and measured it at. 32.5 kilometers, 32.5 meters. So, um, and yeah, so basically 90 Ks a day, um, starting the same time every day. I started at 4 a.m. each morning and took about 12 hours to do the 90 Ks uh, each day. And uh, yeah, finishing up with a total of 360 by um, the evening of Easter Monday. Yeah, I remember following it online and just thinking, the monotony of that would, I, I just don't know, how, like, how did you, like, what were the toughest moments mentally? How did you, uh, um, were you like just completely zoning out for the whole thing or how did you manage to, to sort of push on through? And were there any points that you thought, actually, like, let's, let's call it a day here. Like I've done two days. That's enough. Yeah, funnily enough, I actually didn't find it very monotonous. Um, I think you're correct. I, I did tend to zone out a bit. Um, I found that quite, it was quite mesmerising in the end. Um, I broke it down, so I sort of figured how I wanted to do it. So I sort of broke into three 30K sections for each day. Um, so starting at four in the morning, I had to leave my garage door closed, so I wasn't going to disturb the neighbours around me because we live in a block of uh, townhouses here. There's nine of us. So the first 30 Ks took me to about eight o'clock in the morning, which then allowed me to open my garage door up and bring a bit of sunshine into the place. So that was like a third of the day done. And my wife, Penny, she would come down from upstairs and give me a bit of breakfast. So um, that sort of like broke that up. And then I went into the next 30 Ks, which sort of took me to lunchtime, which was like a, an early afternoon lunch um, and still having that while I was running. And then basically you just broke it down. I only had 30 Ks to go to finish off the day. So that I found it was actually okay. Um, I was doing direction changes every 20 minutes. So that worked out to uh, about 3.2 Ks. I would do a direction change and that's when I'd take a bit of nutrition as well. So 
a little bit like how I'll do my 24-hour track ultra, um, taking my nutrition every 20 minutes. So that broke each three sections down as well. So it was always something that going through my mind. But the four days, I could break it down to day one was the excitement day. Um, that like went through really quickly, like 90Ks. I thought, oh, this is, this is pretty good, pretty easy. Day two was probably physically the tougher day because everything was a little bit tight. So when I went out, I thought, oh, I could really feel everything. Um, but by the end of the day, that sort of got okay. Day three was a bit mental. So I call that my mental day. Um, so I think mentally that seemed like I was going nowhere. And then uh, then day four was like, oh, well, I'm on my last day. Everything's just going to get shorter from this point onwards. So as the Ks clicked over on the last day, it was just like I'm just getting closer and closer to the finish. So that was like the – that was the good day. So, um, yeah, it's uh, – it went – I went through it pretty quickly, quicker than I expected. Um, so – but I did go in that first day thinking, oh, can I do four days of this? <laughs> Um, but when the day first day finished pretty quickly, I thought, okay, that was that was okay. Um, only three to go now. How were you keeping tabs of the loop, Stephen? I mean, that must have just uh, had, must have been a challenge. Yeah, so I had two ways. There was I got an app on my iPad, um, which was called a lap tracker, um, and that just uses your camera. So every time you pass the camera, it would log a lap for you. So I had that in the back corner of the actual loop so nothing else would pass it except for me um and then i found on my watch i could put it on the treadmill setting and that actually was able to track my distance um, around the garage without needing to be outside so it doesn't actually use the gps it uses your accelerometers in the watch and that was i'd actually done a tester a couple of days earlier and found that that was pretty accurate to my distance so between that and the lap tracker, they're only about probably one and a half to two Ks difference by the end of the day. And it always worked out that the watch went slightly over to what my laps were doing. So um, so I was probably doing about 92 a day, but it just meant that when, um, when the watch said 90, uh, I, I could record it and my lap tracker would show that I'd done about 91 to 92 Ks in laps. So I was always guaranteed to do my 90 each day. And so how many laps did you do in total over the four days? So the four days, I did a total of 11,500 laps of my garage, which, <laughs> which, worked, out, which worked out to 425,000 steps over the four days. Um, there was 115 direction changes and uh, 23,000 corners to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> what was your what was your favorite bit of the course <laughs> yeah there was uh each day changed so we the course grew in uh, in scenery each day so day one was a very boring scenery there was just nothing in the garage except for my aid station table in the middle of the room day two it grew so we actually got a couple of plants on day two so they started growing in the garage <laughs> had been there that long uh day three increased with some more greenery um and then some flags came up and then day four penny started putting up some quotes and affirmations as well on the on the wall so by the end of the fourth day it, it looked like quite a good garage by the end so it's um yeah it's uh passing the door so i 
for the whole four days, I, I made a point that I would stay in the garage and we had an internal access to the house. So at the end of the day, I could just go straight inside, um, have a shower, have some dinner, go to bed and get up in the morning. So even though I had the garage door open, I didn't go outside for the whole four days. So at the end of that fourth day, when I finally finished, it was really nice just to grab a chair and take it out into the driveway and just sit down and actually just soak in some sun after four days of being in that garage. So that, that was a really nice moment. It was just to sit down and just get some real sunshine. And you, I mean, this was what, was it like six, seven weeks after, after four trails? You didn't have any niggles. You were, you were good to go. No, so yeah, it wasn't too long. So four trails into like into January, start of February there. Um, so this was Easter, April. So it was a couple of months after. But I had done the, I had entered in the Quarantine Ultra, which was only yeah. the weekend before. So yeah. that weekend, um, which was Saturday night for us, so I'd done 24 hours. So I did 100 miles the weekend before. Then I did my, four, so it was end up being four days later because that finished on the Monday. And then on the Friday, then I ended up doing the 360 in the garage. Absolutely crazy. I, I remember following the Quarantine Ultra and uh, so it was you and we, Will Hayward were kind of the Asia Pacific people that, um, that were involved. And, um, and I was like, you looked so fresh after 24 yards. I was like, okay. I saw you walking around and I was thinking, yeah, he's going to be in it for a while longer. But you decided to call it, call it a day at the miler then. Was that because you knew that um, you had the... Um, that you had you already planned this Easter weekend one already? Um, so you were keeping yourself no, up for it? No, that that I decided to just plan the next day. So um, that was just a, <laughs> it was a last decision. You so woke up the next I morning after a miler and go, oh, let me just plan another yeah. 360 kilometres for next weekend. So, yeah, so that miler finished on the Monday. I decided on the Tuesday I'll do my garage ultra. By Wednesday, it was locked in on Facebook that I'll do the 360Ks. And then on Friday, I started running it. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, an unplanned long weekend over uh, over the Easter. So, But I asked John Lim a couple of questions. So I said, where did you get the 360 from over four days? And I said, and why four days? And I said, I just wanted to do an ultra. He said, you've got to be a bit, bit careful in how you word your post. So I said, I'd like to do a garage run over the Easter long weekend. So he goes, well, that's four days long. And I said, well, where, why, why 90 Ks a day for 360? And he goes, well, it's actually going to be 100 a day for 400 Ks. But I was being generous and I wanted to give you a bit of a break. So I knocked it down to 90 Ks a day. <laughs> in, the, in the end, he, he said on the last day, he goes, I think I was too generous. I should have left it at 100 a day and made you do the 400 Ks over the four days. <laughs> 360 has a nice ring to it though it's uh yeah um yeah and, and look your year didn't end then either did it i mean you've got a, you've got a great sort of um track record and track being the operative word in that in terms of like 24 hour track races um but yeah this year you you, you did coast to cozzy again this year which was the first time it's been um it's been run for a for a um for a few years obviously four trails um yeah you must be pretty proud of the year that was 2020 uh, look, overall, and a lot of people said that the year was was a, was a, a loss and a waste, um, and they want to write it off. But I didn't find it like that. I actually, I, I felt I had a really good year, and it just made you rethink about what you wanted to actually do, and it just shows you what's actually out there. So, 
Um, so I actually did uh, on Anzac Day for us here, which was uh, just over a week after my Garage Ultra. So I did a 100K run around our national park here, which is my back door. And that, that was another challenge. So another movement here was for people to run their postcode. So you punch in your postcode on Google and it will give you the, uh, the boundary of your postcode. Now, most of them are only maybe you're running 20 or 30 Ks because they're a small suburb. But my postcode included the Royal National Park, which butts up next to my suburb. And it ended up being that to do the whole postcode, it was like 100 Ks. So I ended up running my Anzac 100K Ultra, which is about a week and a half after I finished my uh, Garage Ultra as well. So I had a, I had an absolute massive April that, uh, this yeah. year. And then, was, later, uh, and then you yeah. also knocked off a couple of FKTs towards the end of the year as well, right? Uh, no, I did one in May. Um, so I did 135K FKT in the Blue Mountains with five and a half thousand of elevation. Um, and I took nine hours off the... Um, the supported time, but I did it solo and unsupported. So that was, that was, I was pretty chuffed at that. Um, I did a 24 hour race then in July. Um, and then after that, I had a hundred uh, K trail race in Canberra um, in September. I went down to Adelaide when the borders finally opened up, I got a flight down there, did a 12 hour track race down in, um, in Adelaide. And then um, we got into Costa Cozzi, and part of my training for that is I did another FKT, which was 100K one up in the Blue Mountains again. Um, did that unsupported as well and took two hours off that time. So, and then finished the year with uh, two weeks ago with Costa Cozzi, which was a fantastic way to finish off. What yeah, I thought what, was a pretty good year. What an, what an iconic race that is. And it's one of our like a uh, short list of our, our races and challenges of the year. Um, and so on to 2021 then, what have we, uh, what have we got, um, got in the diary? Have you, uh, you mentioned you've got some, some pretty, uh, um, pretty outrageous plans for the coming year as well. So 2021, as you know, I should have been heading back to Hong Kong to do the alumni race, but um, and I've Hong been Kong holding off trails, yeah. four trails. So I'd been holding off giving Andre a, a message and he sort of knew I wasn't going to be able to get there, but Two weeks ago, I, I finally messaged him and mentioned that with all the restrictions and we're still locked out here, we're not allowed to do any international travel out of Australia. Yeah. So I had to uh, pull myself from that race for um, for February next year, which was which was a bit of a bummer, but that's it's out of our control. Yeah. So I've um, so for next year, my biggest race is I've entered the Adelaide Six Day in uh, September. So I'm going to give a, uh, a six-day um, race a go and uh, see how that, what that's like. And um, I'm going to lead in with the, uh, instead of Hong Kong four trails, I'm going to lead in with the Canberra 48-hour track race, which is um, in mid-March. So right. at the moment, that's sort of what I'm locked in. So one will lead into the other, um, and then I'll see what else I can maybe squeeze in in between. Excellent. Well, we um we look forward to to following Stephen. I think um yeah, just uh what a great year and and yeah, the Garage Ultra. I think when Rick and I were going through some of the top endurance feats of this year, it just stood out as something that was um it just really summed up the year. And so um thanks for sharing the story of it. Thanks for inspiring others. And uh and yeah, we look forward to seeing and um, seeing how you get on in uh, in Adelaide and Canberra next year. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for um, for thinking of me and um, and for that race or for my uh, for my run in the garage. Um, yeah, 
It's, uh, I think that would be something that will stick in my, uh, in my memory for quite a while. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Enjoy the rest of your day, sir, and we'll, we'll look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much. It's like the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. So that concludes the uh, the first part of the Endurance Asia Awards. Um, yeah, look out for the next episode where we uh, we cover the final three of the um, of the awards, covering the uh, male and female athletes of the year as well as uh, as well as fundraiser of the year. It's like the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad.